Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Luther Loves Movies. I'm your host, Luther Graves. Uh, pardon me if I start out with a somewhat lengthy introduction. I feel it only makes sense to start this podcast with explaining why I'm making in what I would like for it to be, uh, which I suppose is very directly related to who I am. Uh, I'm someone who has probably wasted their life uh, watching movies, if I'm being honest. I, I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to make movies, learn the ins and outs of filmmaking, but in 28 years I've barely scratched the surface, and I've always been too afraid of failure to fully dive into it. But, as harsh as that sounds, it's how I feel. I love movies, I love movies so much that for the first time in my life, I feel like the one thing I'm confident enough to do with my love of movies is talk about them. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I could talk about movies forever, and I guess I finally decided to put that to the test. So, for many years, especially ones I spent working in a movie theater, I've been told that I should do movie reviews. Obviously, because I love talking about them, and I talk about them with a, a bit of passion. And while I do love talking about movies, I don't often feel like I have the voice to review them properly. I do like giving reviews, but... I don't want to really score them? The artist's subjective phrase almost seems cliche at this point, but I love films based on how they make me feel. Whether I'm moved to emotion by a, a gut-wrenching performance, or inspired by a grand speech, uh, or just simply impressed by its artistic nature, and, and that, that includes like uh, Avant-garde cinematography, dedicated and detailed costuming. Hell, I even get excited for the use of lighting for crying out loud. I, I feel like it's not my place to tell you what your favorite film should be. Just, I want to encourage you to see more films. I'll be honest, I don't think I'm intelligent enough to give film analysis. I mean, sure, like anyone else, I can catch the drift. Of most films i know what they're going for but to articulate the meaning of the plot to break it down i just it's not for me i there's plenty of youtubers that will do that for me and plenty that i watch and furthermore i'm a terrible debater i often avoid film groups because i'm not interested in arguing about what makes or breaks a good film sure there's plenty of films that i find distasteful or flat out just despise but i don't need you to feel that way I try to be a let people like what they like kind of person. And I do love discussing movies with my friends and random strangers leaving the theater. I want to know their favorite part of the movie. I, I like knowing that someone else felt the same soul-moving experience I felt when watching a film. However, if this ever gets any traction, I would maybe like to kind of hear your thoughts. Uh, start a discussion board, like a, a Discord, or I don't know, I'll figure out if I'm going to make some kind of social media based around this podcast or not. I, I'm sure I will. But right now, the only person I expect to really listen to this is myself while editing it. I'm being harsh. I know that I have friends out there who are listening right now. Hi, friend of mine. Thank you for listening. But really, uh, I, I don't have a lot to put this together. I got my laptop with the audacity program i have a very surprisingly rusty blue yeti microphone that i pulled out of my storage and i am literally recording right now in the living room of my rv it's going to be a while till this podcast has some higher quality components to it uh, i'm a regular actor at my local community theater but this is the first time i have done such or really any kind of lengthy audio production 
I have to write down every word beforehand because I don't trust myself to just speak off the cuff. Uh, literally, the sentence you're hearing right now was written down five days ago. Most of this has been, or at least is my variation from the script that I've made for myself. But I, I just need to focus on the fact that what this is is something that I'm doing for myself. I've let my insecurity stop me from doing other things before because whatever I make, I want it to be absolutely perfect. But this doesn't need to be perfect. I just want to do this for me so long as my passion is in it. And right now, and hopefully, as it has been for 28 years, always will be. As I have said, I love talking about film. At this point, I think... Maybe exercising in this form is a lot better because at least the listener is a willing participant. <laughs> However, I don't want this to only be about myself. I very much hope that over the next few weeks or whenever I can, I, I can have a guest on with me. Other film lovers and perhaps some of my friends who are aspiring filmmakers. The creative process is always one that has been my favorite parts of film appreciation. Uh, I'd like to do more though. While I have no experience of conducting interviews, I would love to be able to reach out to filmmakers, actors, writers, workers, other appreciators from outside my circle with maybe a little bit of credit to their name to be able to discuss their experiences, goals, and love of film, and of course the filmmaking process. Uh, I don't know, but time will tell. As for now, I have plenty to talk about because for the next six weeks my primary focus is going to be the academy awards the oscar announcements this past tuesday is what sparked my decision to make this podcast granted starting to write my script on thursday and try and have it recorded edited and hopefully in some way distributed by sunday was a tall order and at this moment at 9 p.m on sunday has me a little stressed that and i'm going out of town next weekend so i gotta ref i have to figure out how i'm going to re record this through the week ah never mind i always say there's nothing i can do about it but get through it but i will do my best to keep this podcast updated weekly at least until after the oscars <laughs> i may switch back to bed i may switch to bi-weekly but I do plan on keeping this going as long as I'm passionate about it. I do plan on keeping this going as long as I can. To the subject at hand though, the Academy Awards. It's my favorite day of the year. Uh, I'm serious. I love it all. The red carpet, the fashion, the interviews, the performances, the speeches, and of course, the predictions. Every year, I dedicate myself to making sure I watch every film nominated for every award. I want to watch all the documentary shorts. I want to see all the foreign language films. I want to try and just see how close my thumb is to the pulse of the Academy. It's a thrill. I think it closely kind of compares to sports betting, if I'm honest. But I take the day off of work. I get dressed up. Either I'm off to an Oscar party or I'm throwing the Oscar party or I'm driving all the way to Raleigh, North Carolina to see it live at the fantastic Alamo Drafthouse Theater. But I never miss it. Okay, well, I missed it once. And obviously, that was the year that you know what happened with it. Anyways, continuing onward. Currently, I'm still writing down everything I have to watch on my whiteboard. 
That way I can still cross out each one as I go along. Granted, unless there's a theater playing the short films, it can be a lot harder to find those. Uh, I know probably some people out there don't live close to a theater that might. I think one near me will be, but it's a little bit closer to the Oscars date. We'll see if that's how I go about knocking those off. So, I mean, obviously every year I go for 100% completion. I don't always finish. I, I do my best. I mark the big six in green, the rest in black. The big six, of course, being the biggest categories. Best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Quite a few of which I've been lucky to mark off this year. I'll probably try and find a way to post my list later if you guys are interested. And, of course... The Oscars comes with a bit of controversy. It always has. From refusal of awards out of protest, to questionable outfits and performances, to racial and gender discrimination. Mistakes made on stage, a, a very prolific slap. Uh, not to mention the snubs that come along each year, of which I'm trying to hold back my opinion on. There's many who see the award shows as nothing more than the rich Hollywood elite giving themselves a pat on the back, and to which that I say, yeah, and yeah, I get it. On top of that, a lot of indie films and filmmakers get overlooked, something of which I would like to start drawing attention to throughout the year as well. But this is still an opportunity to appreciate this year's best in filmmaking and to give recognition to the filmmakers, especially the nominees and winners of all the categories outside of the big six. Regardless of who wins, anyone nominated now has a credit to their name for the rest of filmmaking history. In my opinion, that's what makes being nominated the most important part of the Oscars. This is what I love about this awards show and I hope those of you listening are able to understand where I'm coming from, and I hope that maybe I can help some of you see that for yourselves, uh, but I won't push my opinion on you. Still, over the next few weeks, I plan to be talking about the Oscars a lot, uh, their individual categories and the films nominated. I hope to touch on a little bit of why I love them so much for their individual reasons, also, sometimes I find little neat details about them that I, I might want to share. Today I'm going to go through all of the categories and nominated films. I'll also mention which ones I have and haven't seen as I go through the list, although I will post my formal watch list later on wherever I announce that I'm going to post it. So, to start from the top, Best Picture. Best Picture is awarded to the producers of the film. There are 10 nominees for Best Picture this year. They are American Fiction. Based on the novel Erasure, American Fiction tells the story of Thelonious Monk Ellison, a black writer and professor whose published works are often undersold despite being well written and criticized by his publishers for not being, quote, black enough. Annoyed by the expectations placed upon him, he is further exasperated when the next bestseller that crosses his path seems to be everything his publishers wish he would write, an exploitation of black stereotypes. Frustrated and stressed from a loss in his family, coupled with the financial weight of his mother's declining health, he decides to give his publishers what they want, but as a satire and under the persona, Stagar Lee. 
However, when his publishers pay down a hefty sum for an advance and a promised movie deal, Monk must decide whether to keep the farce going or pull the plug. Producers are Ben LeClaire, Nikos Karamigios, Cord Jefferson, and Jermaine Johnson. American Fiction was definitely one of my favorites from this year. And if you're able to, you might be able to still catch it while it's on the big screen at your local cinema. The Anatomy of a Fall When German novelist Sandra Voiter's husband Samuel dies unexpectedly outside of their house after an apparent fall from the attic window, she is forced to try and do her best to convince the French government of her innocence. Along without having a hard grasp of the language and being withheld from communicating with her son Daniel, Sandra struggles to explain the difficult aspects of her marriage in the face of critical evidence. We dive deep into Sandra and Samuel's marriage as well as Daniel's relationship with his parents as their personal lives are forced out in the open and put on trial. Uh, produced by Marianne Luciani and David Theon. I will say I apologize if I do mispronounce any of these names going forward. Also, The Anatomy of a Fall is not one that I've yet to be able to watch yet. It's definitely one that I'm looking forward to, and I'm always glad to see a foreign language film put in the mix. Up next is Barbie, a film I'm pretty sure you've all heard of, and probably seen by now, about the famous Mattel toy doll. The film takes place starting in the fictional location of Barbieland as the main Barbie, portrayed by Margot Robbie, who, I, I'm sorry, did not get the Best Actress nomination, but is nominated for being a producer of this film. Barbie lives her life in perfect utopia, ran by all the other Barbies, each supported by a Ken who lives to make Barbie happy. However, she begins to become disillusioned with her life, as overnight, everything that makes her life perfect becomes, well, imperfect, and thus is thrust on a journey into our world. A journey of discovery and discussion about society's views on women, self-realization and acceptance, and, of course, Ken is there too having a destructive existential crisis on his own road to self-discovery, albeit one that did lead to one of the best songs of this year. Producers were David Heyman, Margot Robbie, Tom Ackerley, and Robbie Brenner. The Holdovers. When Angus Tully's mother cancels their winter trip to honeymoon with her new husband, he is left stranded at his boarding school over the winter holiday. Also staying over winter break are cafeteria administrator Mary Lamb, whose son had recently been killed in the Vietnam War, and Paul Hunnam, a professor with a reputation for being incredibly hard on students, who grades harshly, and thus after a recent incident is forced to stay over a winter break as punishment. Angus and Professor Hunnam start the film as bitter enemies, but in their time spent together are forced to see each other as fellow human beings with depth to their character and not only do they have more in common than they realize, but also have something to learn from each other. Produced by Mark Johnson. I will say, The Holdovers is one of my favorite films from this year, and one that I was surprised to make it to the Oscars. Uh, maybe because it was a Christmas film, I don't know. But it is definitely one for the Christmas film category, and one that I hope you guys will take the time to enjoy, because I found it very impactful. And the kid who played Angus Tully, Dominic Sessa, absolutely killed it. I really look forward to seeing more from him in the future. Killers of the Flower Moon 
a western crime drama depicting the actual event of the Osage murders. Ernest Burkhart returns from World War I to live with his brother and uncle, William King Hale, amongst the Osage Nation in Oklahoma. Hale inducts Ernest into his, and the plan of many other whites living in the area, to marry into the Osage tribe and then poison and kill them off so that they may lay claim to the money and oil-filled land owned by the Osage people, including Ernest's new wife, Molly Kyle. Produced by Dan Friedkin, Bradley Thomas, Martin Scorsese, and Daniel Luffy. Maestro, a biopic depicting the life and times of the great American composer Leonard Bernstein. The film depicts Leonard's life and his debut conducting the Phil New York Harmonic, to the meeting of his future wife, Felicia, and the story of their marriage and life together as a family with their three children. It also depicts Leonard's life as he struggled to refute the truth of his sexuality, which took the form of alcoholism, substance abuse, and rumored affairs, all of which took a toll on his marriage and family life. The film starred and was also produced by Bradley Cooper, produced also by Steven Spielberg, Fred Berner, Amy Durning, and Christy Makosko Krieger. I will say this was a very beautiful film. And next is Oppenheimer. Released the same weekend as Barbie, for which both movies received a great deal of media attention. Affectionately referred to as Barbenheimer Weekend at everyone at my theater, and from what I hear on the radio too. Uh, it's walking in with the most Oscar nominations this year at a staggering 13. This biographical thriller is also an adapted work of the biography American Prometheus about J. Robert Oppenheimer, whose work in leadership of the Manhattan Project led to the creation of the atomic bomb. The film also shows the Strauss Senate confirmation hearing and details of Louis Strauss's involvement in the breakdown of Oppenheimer's life after the war. Produced by Emma Thomas, Charles Roven, and Christopher Nolan. Past Lives, a semi-autobiographical romantic drama, living in Seoul, South Korea, Nora Moon and Sung met as young children and formed the grade school crush before being separated by Sung's family moving to North America. While coming in contact as young adults, they are only truly reunited again when Nora is married and living in New York City. When Sung comes to see her, the two cannot help but reflect on their lives so far and how different their lives might have been had they not been separated. Produced by David Hino-Josa, Christine Vacon, and Pamela Koffler, I haven't quite gotten to see this film yet. However, when I found out that it was semi-autobiographical, I had to look up Celine Song's director's husband, because I was curious. I wanted to know that they were still together without having watched the film yet. I was not expecting to find out that she is married to the guy who created the meme Potion Seller. I, if you don't know, look it up. But many of you remember the meme where he goes, Potion Seller, I am here to buy your strongest potions. You cannot have my potions. You are not strong enough for my potions. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I couldn't help but get a kick out of that. Poor Things. Based on the book by the same name, Bella Baxter is a young woman living in a wild and artistic reimagining of London. She, in more ways than one, has a childlike mind and is hell-bent on taking the world by storm. 
As her mind begins to expand, she sets out to explore the world. The men in her life try their best to shape her to their whims, but she takes what she likes from the knowledge they give her and uses it to fuel her own growth while they throw tantrums over their unfulfilled and selfish desires. As she travels through a twisted and colorful depiction of the world, she not only learns more about herself, her own desires, and sexual liberation, but also learns of the concepts concerning the worlds around her, poverty, abuse, philosophy, and society's views on women. Kind of like a warped version of Barbie, uh, though strongly, strongly not recommended for children. Uh, Ed Gini, Andrew Lowe, Yorgos Lanthimos, and Emma Stone produced. And last, but certainly not least, The Zone of Interest. And while I haven't been able to catch this film yet either, I understand it's a very chilling story about Auschwitz's longest commandant, Rudolf Haas, though perhaps fictionalized, is about Rudolf Haas, who made his home outside the concentration camp, a preferred choice made by Haas and many other Nazis who lived their lives in day-to-day -day mundanity while unspeakable inhuman atrocities occurred daily mere meters away. I am looking for this one, although I have a feeling it will be rather hard to watch. It almost sounds like a surreal horror story, if I'm honest. Uh, produced by James Wilson. Next up is the category for Best Director. There are five nominees for Best Director. They are Justine Trier, pardon my French, <laughs> uh, for The Anatomy of a Fall, where she won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and she's the third female director to ever do so. Martin Scorsese for The Killers of the Flower Moon, this is Scorsese's 10th Best Director nomination, having only won once before for The Departed. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. This is the third nomination for Nolan uh, this award season, including Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. And uh, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. And this is Yorgos's second time being nominated for Best Picture and Best Director, and fifth and sixth time being nominated total as also one of my favorite directors, especially for The Lobster. Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest, and while this is his first Oscar nomination, The Zone of Interest is only Jonathan's fourth feature film. For the category of Best Actor, there are also five nominees. They are Bradley Cooper for his role as Leonard Bernstein in Maestro. I felt he really transformed for this role. With this and A Star is Born, which was also directed by him, I believe. And he's just phenomenal. I, I really think he he has a lot of talent as an actor that I did not used to give him credit for. Although I will say, I did not realize for years that he was Rocket Raccoon in the Marvel movies. I just never put his voice to that character or matched his face to the voice. You get what I'm saying. And then Coleman Domingo for his role as Bayard Rustin in Rustin. A civil rights leader who I literally had never heard of until this film. And I will say that's probably my fault for not being better educated. But uh, this was another... Uh, an actor playing a real person who I just thought absolutely killed it. I, I loved him as Bayard Rustin. Next is Paul Giamatti for his role as Paul Hunnam in The Holdovers. 
typical Giamatti character, if I'm being honest. Killian Murphy for his role as J. Robert Oppenheimer in Oppenheimer, easily Killian's best work. And then Jeffrey Wright for his role as Thelonious Monk Ellison in American Fiction, who really absolutely hardcore killed this this whole film in my opinion. I mean, it almost seemed like I was just watching a live recording. For the category of Best Actress, there are five nominees as well. It, you're going to see there's five nominees for most of these. Uh, Annette Bening for her role as Diane Nyad in Nyad. I just watched this a couple of nights ago. Very inspirational. I thought Annette Bening and Foster, their real-life film counterparts, they nailed the look on those. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Lily Gladstone for her role as Molly Burkhart in Killers of the Flower Moon. Sandra Hewler for her role as Sandra Voider in Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, Carrie Mulligan for her role as Felicia Montalegru in Maestro. She was amazing. Emma Stone for her role as Belle Baxter in Poor Things. I feel like she probably had a lot of fun filming that. Uh, also, I believe she's been a collaborator with uh, Yorgos before. I think before. I think she was in The Favorite. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Next is Best Supporting Actor, Sterling K. Brown, for his role in American Fiction as Cliff Ellison. He plays Monk's brother, a man who's recently gone through a divorce after his wife had caught him sleeping with other men and took half of his practice. And he's going through a very tumultuous time in the film. And the way he, a lot of his conversations that he has with Jeffrey Wright's character, I just thought were very A-plus scenes. There's definitely a scene a little bit towards the end where he's telling Monk that he should just let people love him for him. There's certain scenes from films throughout the year where I would just love to have like a collection of because they just inspire such emotion in me. But uh, anyways, continuing on, because I, really I, I'm not trying to just break down who my favorites are for what, who I'd like to see the Oscar and everything else. Again, as I said, I'll go over that later. Um, in a later episode, probably. Uh, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon as King William Hale. Sorry, William King Hale. Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss and Oppenheimer. Mark Ruffalo as Duncan Wedderburn and Poor Things. Which I was, to be honest, kind of surprised to see. He was a very silly character, though. And then speaking of silly characters, lastly, Ryan Gosling as Ken and Barbie. I probably could pick five other actors that I would have liked to see as Best Supporting Actor nominated uh, this year. Not that Ryan Gosling did bad, I loved him. Absolute precious soul is Ken. I just not a role that I would have figured for best supporting actor. Although I will say, in addition to that, it seems very strange to have Ryan Gosling nominated for Ken and not Margot Robbie nominated for Barbie. Or Greta Gerwig not nominated for Best Director. That just seems wild to me. Uh, but I digress. Uh, let me continue. Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Emily Blunt for Kitty Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer. Danielle Brooks for Sophia in The Color Purple. 
American Ferrer for Gloria as in Barbie, which I'm glad that she got that one. I really am. I really love her, her speeches in that film. Jodie Foster as Bonnie Stolen and Nyad. Again, but those, her and Annette Benning killed it. And Divine Joy Randolph uh, as Mary Lamb in The Holdovers. Film focuses on, on Angus Tully and Paul Hunnam a lot. She really was the glue that held that film together uh, I felt like I, I feel like the film just the, the film in no way could have been the same without her and of course I mean these are all these are all nominations for supporting roles and which in order for it to be a great supporting role I, I feel like that's the definition but uh, I, I really did truly love her character and there were moments where scenes involving her character brought me to tears best original screenplay the anatomy of a fall the Holdovers, Maestro, May December, and then Past Lives by Celine Song. That is also Celine Song is also the director of Past Lives, who I mentioned earlier. This was actually her first feature film debut as a director, and so my hats off for her for uh, for going all the way to the Oscars. Next is Best Adapted Screenplay for American Fiction. Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, The Zone of Interest. Next is another favorite of mine, Best Animated Feature, The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Miyazaki and Toshio Suzuki, Elemental by Peter Son and Denise Reen, Nimona by Nick Bruno, Troy Quain, Karen Ryan and Julie Zachary, Robot Dreams by Pablo Berger, Ibon Cormenzana, Ignazi Este, and Sandra Tapia Diaz. I hope I got those right. <laughs> and then uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse by Kent Powers, Justin K. Thompson, Philip Lord, Christopher Miller, and Amy Pascal. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bummed that I didn't get to see Super Mario on this list and that Peaches wasn't one of the ones nominated for best song. Uh, that's just because I'm a giant nerd. Next is best international feature film, which I believe used to just be foreign language film and I kind of like that it's been put this way. I really love that there are more international and foreign language films that make it all the way to best picture now i really like that they get a lot more attention and that we're getting used to making that effort to watch films that aren't just in english i really love seeing parasite win best picture i filmmaking is not just at its best when it's in the u.s I really love that this kind of pushes Americans to be able to be exposed to great filming outside of the U.S. I I try and see foreign films when I can. I I am especially a big fan of Bollywood films. I love Shah Rukh Khan. I am so happy when I get Bollywood films in my theater near me. Io Capitano? Italy, uh, directed by Matteo Garone. Uh, Perfect Days, Japan, directed by Wim Wenders. Society of the Snow, Spain, directed by J.A. Bayona. The Teacher's Lounge, Germany, directed by Ilker Katek. 
The Zone of Interest, United Kingdom, directed by Jonathan Glazer. Best Documentary Feature Film, Bobby Wine, The People's President. The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, To Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days in Maripol. Best Documentary Short Film, The ABCs of Book Banning, The Barber of Little Rock, The Island in Between, The Last Repair Shop, and I hope I say this right, Nai Nai and Wei Po. Best Live Action Short Film, The After, Invincible, Night of Fortune, Red, White, and Blue, and The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar was a Wes Anderson short film that came out this year on Netflix. And I'm glad that it got some attention because I was so sad that Asteroid City did not make it to the Oscars this year. I know that a lot of my friends did not feel this way, but Asteroid City, I think, may have been one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. Of course, obviously a great ensemble, but I just really love the theme of it. Best Animated Short Film Letter to a Pig 95 Senses Our Uniform Pachyderm War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko Best Original Score American Fiction Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny Killers of the Flower Moon Oppenheimer and Poor Things I have been listening to these non-stop I literally have made myself a playlist with all five film scores in it. For best original song, there's The Fire Inside from Flamin' Hot, I'm Just Ken from Barbie, and Never Went Away from American Symphony, Wazase, A Song from My People, uh, from Killers of the Flower Moon, and What Was I Made For from Barbie. Of course, uh, all of these you can find on Spotify, and just as the best original score, I've been listening to as often as, as often as I can. For best sound, there's The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, and Zone of Interest. For best production design, there's Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. For Best Cinematography, there's El Conde, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. El Conde is the only one I haven't heard of. And I, I'm very interested because I I did love the, the cinema, cinematography for the rest of the other films, especially Poor Things. And also Killers of the Flower Moon was really good as well. So I'm interested as to what makes it so good that puts it on, uh, that won it that nomination. For best makeup and hairstyling, there's Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. For best costume design, there's Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. I'll admit, one of the things I do get tired of when it comes to the Oscars is how many of these films are just dominated over and over again. Don't get me wrong, they all did fantastic. I just also wish there was more recognition because I feel like there's a lot of other films that do really well and stuff like best costume design that I, I think get overlooked. Maybe I'll touch on that in another week, but I'll continue forward.
Best Film Editing, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. And then lastly, Best Visual Effects for The Creator, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Napoleon, and then one of my favorite films from this past year, Godzilla Minus One. And, and not that I dislike other Godzilla films, but honestly I thought it was one of the best looks for, for Godzilla. The I think this is my favorite Godzilla movie, uh, just slightly beating out Shin Godzilla. Anyways, there are all the nominees for this year. Um, as I go through, I will try and uh, find a way that I can let everyone else know where they can try and find these films. Um, let me go ahead and read back through here real quick. Sorry if you can hear my computer as I'm scrolling back up to the top. Uh, the films that I have left to see are The Zone of Interest, Past Lives, The Anatomy of a Fall, The Colored Purple, May December, which I believe is on Netflix, Robot Dreams, all of the international feature films, I'm afraid, all of the documentary feature films, all of the documentary short films, of the live-action short films, I've seen The After because it is on Netflix. Uh, I still need to see the rest of those. The animated short films. Um, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, El Conde, Golda, and I think that's it. I don't see any other ones that I've missed. So, like I said, I will try and, like, post my list as I go through. Honestly, I still need to finish writing everything on my whiteboard. But I feel like I've gone ahead and taken up enough time of here today. I'm hoping to keep these episodes around 30 minutes. I'm hoping after editing, this one won't be too much longer than that. Um, but I would just like to say thank you for listening. In terms of almost everything that uh, was done by me uh in terms of sources I, I i don't really have any sources i just look up what's on wikipedia in terms of who was nominated um a lot of the factoids is just stuff that i come across but i will make sure whenever i i do have to go further in depth that i will post those as well because i want i would like to be able to if i have to research to to give people credit where credit is due um, the background music that you heard today was Bossa Antigua, uh, by Kevin MacLeod. Uh, it is a, it is royalty-free music that I used from Epidemic Sound. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me if you know me personally. Uh, until then, wait till next week when I can finally, uh, get some, uh, when I can finally get a social media platform going for this. And then I will hopefully be able to talk to you guys. Um, right now, obviously, I don't have any kind of any kind of Patreon thing going or support or anything like that. I'm just kind of doing this for me. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I continue to do this, it would definitely help out if I had, like, a, a donation option. Um, but I'm really not worried about that right now. I kind of just want to talk. Huh. <laughs>
Ah, uh, Lord. I kind of just want to go ahead and just get this out there. So, um, again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next week. Goodbye.